0: Welcome to this week's edition of Good Books Radio. Audiobooks.com is the chief underwriter for Good Books Radio, which is produced by UTRGV Media Services for Rio Grande Valley Public Radio. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Cook.
1: Welcome once again to another edition of Good Books Radio. I'm your host this week, Dr. John Cook, and with me today is Dr. Lisa Mosconi. She's an Associate Director of the Alzheimer's Prevention Clinic at Weill Cornell Medical College, New York, Presbyterian Hospital, where she was recruited as an Associate Professor of Neuroscience in Neurology. Dr. Moscone founded and was formerly the Director of the Nutrition and Brain Fitness Lab at New York University School of Medicine and Assistant Professor at the NYU Department of Psychiatry, where she served as the Director of the Family History of Alzheimer's Disease Research Program. She holds a dual PhD degree in neuroscience and nuclear medicine from the University of Florence, Italy. She's a board-certified integrative nutritionist and a holistic healthcare care expert practitioner. Dr. Moscone, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: The book, Brain Food, The Surprising Science of Eating for Cognitive Power, is a great read. I've been through uh, mo- most of it, that right down to the test I took, which showed me I still have work to do. But... Um, it- <laughs> It it has uh, some great information, and it's backed by a lot of research, which I appreciate very much. So let's start by talking about neuro-nutrition. And your first chapter, The Looming Brain Health Crisis, uh, really talks about what's going on in our country in particular, but, but all across the world.
0: Yes. So we are facing an epidemic of Alzheimer's disease and dementia, Alzheimer's is the most common form of dementia affecting 46 million people all over the world and is projected to grow to 130 million by the year 2050. So, Alzheimer's has been the focus of my research for the past 15 years. And um, when I started, most people understood Alzheimer's as a consequence of bad genes, aging, or both. But today, it's quite clear that genes are not the destiny and that. Aging is not like a linear path to some kind of unavoidable future with dementia. And what, what we have found as scientists is that at least one-third of all Alzheimer's cases could actually be prevented by improving your lifestyle.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, it's worth noting that um, it's a lifelong process to take care of the brain uh, because yes. the, uh, neurons can't be regrown. Once they're gone, they're gone, right? Yeah. But the brain has a reserve. We've had a talk with an, uh, another neurologist about um, neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. The brain can can re can can reroute messages in some cases because of the extra brain power it has.
0: Yes, the brain has a capacity to grow new neurons in some parts of the brain. But that capacity is kind of limited because the vast majority of our brain cells do not really regenerate when we're older. So it's really important that we take care of our brains constantly all the time because our brain cells are irreplaceable and therefore they're born and they age with us. So they really need need a little bit of extra care.
1: Let's make the distinction early on. Uh, You you talk a little bit about evolution and industrial food, and um, Mm -hmm. industrial food is kind of the the, uh, culprit in the room.
0: In some ways, yes. Yes, The, the human brain took a really long time to evolve and develop, and it really grew to a specific diet. So it was optimized relative to the diet that was available back then. And current um, dietary patterns are very different from the diet of our ancestors. Um, And I'm not speaking for a paleo diet. I'm just saying that the kind of foods that we consume now are just changing very fast and they are not exactly natural. Many processed foods, fast food, deep fried foods these are foods that we we created ourselves and they are not necessarily the healthiest versions of food that one can that one can hope for so there's evidence that um some foods are really neuroprotective and they literally uh, protect and shield the brain from harm whereas other foods and nutrients harm our brain ex- instead also increasing our risk of cognitive decline and dementia down the line so as a society, we should really focus on the foods that are actually supportive of brain health and try to minimize those that will not help us age gracefully but will actually impact our mental
1: capacities in a bad way. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a, a frightening picture early on of uh, an MRI of, of two women, one on a Mediterranean yes. diet and one on a Western diet. And um, the, the woman who had been on a Mediterranean-style diet most of her life had a much healthier brain. So, yes. So go ahead. You are an expert on the Mediterranean diet as you grew up in Italy, you probably are much closer to that than <laughs> um I did,
0: I grew up in Italy and and I I can attest to how different the diet there is uh from the United States and I I lived in the states long enough to really um appreciate the difference. Um yeah, so, so I've been looking into the relationship between diet and brain for quite a long time, and, and what we do is to actually add um, one extra layer of, of information by looking at the brains of our patients directly. A lot of research has been done uh, correlating diet with behavior, like uh, scientists would measure uh, specific dietary patterns and nutrients and then correlate those with future cognitive outcomes and risk of dementia many years later. For us, the question was more, what happens in the brain right now? Like, Mm -hmm. how is your diet affecting the chemistry of your brain? How is it influencing the chemistry of your brain? How is it influencing brain aging and brain health? So we've been doing a lot of
1: brain imaging
0: in our participants, and what seems to be very consistent across many studies is that people who follow a mediterranean style diet age better their mm-hmm. brains age better whereas people who follow a more typical western diet show signs of accelerated brain aging or brain shrinkage and also increased accumulation of alzheimer's plaques in their brains even in midlife so we we can we can We can show these effects when people are relatively young, in their 40s and 50s, so many years prior to possible onset of dementia.
1: Mm -hmm. As as a person much older than that, I want to ask the question, I know you address it in the book, but is it ever too late?
0: (laughs) It is never too late. There is evidence that uh, adopting a brain-healthy lifestyle, uh, for instance, in midlife, is actually protective against dementia at all their ages. So it's really, it's never too late, but it's never too soon. I, I strongly urge everybody to to follow a healthy diet and to change, and really just improve their diet and optimize their diet for their brains as soon as they can, because it's really, you know, I was thinking about it the other day, that the same way that we would save for retirement, we really also need to eat for retirement and make sure that, that we keep our brains healthy, young, and active, and enjoy a healthful lifetime overall. Mm
1: -hmm. You know, we've had a couple of authors on the show that that attest to some of this, and one of them was an NYU uh, public health professor uh, who wrote a book called Lethal But Legal, which is about Mm -hmm. how the the massive production of our food in America has caused some problems, and the other was a paleo diet book, and you, you mentioned paleo diet there, but the, the fact is our ancestors ate mostly vegetables, fruits, nuts, and seeds, and most Americans barely touch those nowadays, right?
0: Absolutely. Yes, completely agree. We should go back to our roots.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about water a little bit because it's, it's a really important function uh, that water serves in the brain.
0: Yes, yes, gladly. And so many people don't drink enough water. It's incredible. So the brain is mostly made of water over 80% of the brain's content is water. And water is particularly important because every chemical reaction that takes place in the brain needs water to really occur, even energy production in the brain. If you have no water, you have no energy. And the brain is so sensitive to dehydration that even a minimal loss of water, like a 2 to 4% decrease, can cause uh, neurological symptoms like brain fog, fatigue, dizziness, confusion... And the 2% water loss is really not much. So we need to drink a lot for our brains because we cannot store water. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I think is important to, to keep in mind is that um, people don't drink nutritious water. A lot of people drink purified water. They drink seltzer. They drink club soda. That's just not water because they, this kind of water just don't include the nutrients that are present in hard water, like spring water, mineral water, um, real water, if you will, contains many minerals and electrolytes that are responsible for keeping us hydrated. So many people who just don't drink real water can be dehydrated and don't realize it.
1: Well, let's look at the nutrients as well. Uh, The nutrients that we consume are fats, proteins, carbs, and vitamins and minerals. Let's start with fats because that's a pretty important thing for the brain.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. I I find there's a little bit of uh, confusion when it comes to uh, fat and how much fat we should should consume in our diets. Um, If you think about it, a few years ago everybody was vegan, and now everybody eats fat. And I'm, many patients ask me, "Should I eat a lot of fat for my brain?" Based on the understanding that the brain includes quite a bit of fat, and that is this is an interesting statement to me because, um, as a neuroscientist, we learn in school that um, brain the brain can make its own fat, mm-hmm. and that actually happens when you're a baby, and especially fat like cholesterol and saturated fat. Those are made mostly by the brain as the brain is developing. And after adolescence, the brain doesn't, doesn't use any additional fat from the diet. The only kind of fat that the brain needs on a daily basis um, is a special kind. It's called polyunsaturated fatty acids, you know, which is a big name to say um, the omega-3 and the omega-6. that are kind of famous in the news, like omega-3s from fish
1: are an excellent brain uh, food. Mm -hmm. But in the American diet, or in the Western diet, we get too much omega-6 to balance the omega-3.
0: That is very true. There's there's evidence that a ratio 2 to 1 is the right one to have, so two molecules of omega-6 for every molecule of omega-3. And the difference is that omega-6 fatty acids are pro-inflammatory, they tend to produce inflammation. And the omega-3s are anti-inflammatory, so they kind of quench the inflammation. So you need to have a good balance of both. But the Western diet tends to to uh, promote the omega-6, if you will, tends to favor the omega-6 fatty acids. And, and the ratio is usually 10 to 1 or 20 to 1, or in some very you know extreme cases, even 30 to 1. And that means that we have... Too much inflammation in a diet that then spreads throughout their bodies as well and brain.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and uh, let's touch on some of the very best sources of uh, omega three, fatty uh, p- polyunsaturated fatty acids. Um, uh, you mentioned chia seeds and and flax seeds. Yes. Um, but there's some yes. some animal sources like caviar that are especially good, right? Ah.
0: Uh. Yes, yes. I, I say all the time that caviar is actually the best brain food from a, from a purely chemical perspective. The nutrients that are contained in caviar are really a fantastic complement to the nutrients that the brain really needs, and in part because it contains. Um, a particular amount, uh, a particular type of omega-3 fatty acids called DHA, and DHA is the most prevalent fat in brain. That needs to be replenished from the diet on a daily basis. Um, aside from caviar, because you know caviar is expensive, it's impractical. I would say fatty fish is an excellent source of omega-3s, mm-hmm. like salmon, trout but also sardines and anchovies are really rich and inexpensive sources of omega-3s.
1: And I have never had this, but I'm going to look for salmon roe. What is that? Is that is that uh, salmon eggs?
0: Uh, yes, yes. It's so, so fish eggs in general. Caviar is kind of the sophisticated version of fish eggs.
1: Sure. And yeah.
0: salmon roe is, yeah, it's salmon eggs. It, I think they serve it in pretty much every Japanese restaurant.
1: Okay. Very good, and there are it's some. A, it's very good <laughs> I, I I like sushi but I've never had that experience uh, but i I will find out <laughs> what about um yes. uh, the, the sources of omega-6 that we eat too much of I mean on the list are things that are very common like old corn oil sunflower oil mayonnaise uh, all of those contain a lot of omega-6 yes Yes, so
0: I think processed foods in general contain a lot of oils that are very high in omega-6 fatty acids and processed foods in general are pro-inflammatory. So a great way to minimize inflammation would be to minimize uh, the amount of processed foods in the diet. Mm
1: -hmm. I like the way you've broken down the fats into the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good fats are the omega. The bad fat is saturated fat, and the high levels of that have a negative impact on mental capacities, don't they?
0: There's research showing associations between excess saturated fat and an increased risk of dementia. I, I would say that uh, nutrients in general are not are not technically good or bad for you is what we do with them. Mm-hmm. And as a society, we tend to eat too too many foods that are very high in saturated fat on a daily basis. So... The results show that, for instance, um, in large-scale studies with thousands of people, those who ate 13 grams of saturated fat per day were, were twice as likely to develop dementia and cognitive impairment as those who ate, who ate less than 7 grams per day. So that means like more than three slices of bacon per day are not so good for your brain.
1: Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay. Okay. And the ugliest is trans fat. Trans fat in the diet seems to uh, develop cognitive impairment as well. Yes,
0: I I think most doctors would agree that trans saturated fats are the worst type of fat that you can possibly ingest. And there's there's literature indicating an association between uh, consumption of trans fats and increased risk of cognitive decline and dementia. So for instance, there are studies showing how people who consume like two grams a day of trans fat, which is not a lot, had twice the risk of dementia as compared to those who ate less than two grams per day. Mm-hmm. You know, two grams is not is not much. It's really it doesn't take much processed food to reach two grams of trans saturated fats a day. So we really need to be careful with our with our food choices.
1: And the the, the prepackaged. Foods, especially cookies, seem to have a lot of that in them.
0: Yes. Mm. Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, Baked goods like commercial donuts, cakes, uh, frozen pizza, but also many, many snack foods like crackers, then uh, margarines, commercial cheese, some spreadable or creamy products like coffee creamers, um, some packaged meat, the more packaged and processed foods that we consume on a, on a regular basis and the more trans-saturated fats that we're probably consuming as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, I'm going to turn to another uh, nutrient now, protein, and I want to say that you, you've done a, jo- a great job of making a very complex uh, set of processes clear to the average reader uh, with regard to um, amino acids and the roles they play. Um, I think it's uh, mm-hmm. really clear there. Talk about uh, amino acids and neurotransmitters just a little bit.
0: Sure. The brain uses neurotransmitters to, to communicate. So different brain cells have different roles, and we have um, five major neurotransmitters in the brain, like acetylcholine serotonin, dopamine. The production of these chemicals in the brain is really strongly influenced by food. And uh, protein, or amino acids, literally play a huge role in the production of these neurotransmitters. For instance, um, whenever you feel happy or sad, it's serotonin that is involved. And serotonin is a neurotransmitter that is synthesized in the brain using um, an amino acid called tryptophan. So we need to provide our brains with enough uh, tryptophan to make sure that their brains can make the serotonin that we need for a number of brain functions,
1: including feeling happy. So that's a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. And and if we look at carbs uh, briefly, uh, the importance of getting glucose as opposed to other kinds of sugars is is noted, and so is the fact that most of the stuff that we think of as, as healthy carbs has very little to do with processed sugar.
0: Yes. Yes, so um, it's a popular idea that the brain uses more energy than any other organ. It's really true that the brain accounts for up to 20% of the body's total energy whole, but at the same time, the brain is the only organ that cannot burn fat to produce energy. So most of the energy comes from carbohydrates, um, and specifically from a sugar called glucose. About 99% of the energy that the brain needs um, under normal physiological conditions, comes from glucose. Um, what is really important to, to say is that when people think about carbohydrates, they think about white food, like sugar, white bread, pasta, baked goods. Um, these, these foods are not great sources of glucose, although they are sugary. There are other foods that are much better sources of glucose that are not necessarily sweet, like onions Turnips, uh, rutabaga, even. <laughs> um, and then we have fruits like uh, grapes, berries, and um, the, the red beet is an excellent source of glucose as well. And then, of course, honey and maple syrup are, are better choices uh, for sweeteners as compared to refined white sugar.
1: Mm-hmm. You have an excellent treatment of, of vitamins and minerals as well, but I, I want to get to a little bit about how to shift our diet in the direction of brain health because it's different than the typical Western diet. So let's talk about what you recommend in terms of diet, and it has a lot to do with uh, uh, things that grow out of the ground.
0: Yes, that's for sure. That's for sure. And I, I think uh, it's really based on a research on the healthiest brain diets all over the world. There are many communities of centenarians, around the world, and these are people who who live up to age 100 or older with their mental capacities intact, and they're they're clearly doing something right, and I believe that we should learn from them, And, and the research shows that all these communities, regardless of where they are, some are in Italy, some are in Greece, some are in Japan, some are in America, some are in South America, they all share common principles. They eat foods that are not processed. They are fresh and they are seasonal. They Their diets are mostly plant-based. Some of these communities eat vegetables for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, for example, like in Japan sometimes. Um, they eat very little animal foods that are more like a treat because, you know, they're usually difficult to come by if you don't have supermarkets yes. <laughs> next to you. They drink plenty of water. They don't drink soda. They will drink a little bit of red wine. Uh, They they will not drink hard liquor all the time. They they don't usually drink beer all the time. So there are some some foods that that are staples in those diets that I think we could all incorporate in our own diets, like, of course, all sorts of greens, fresh, leafy greens, especially those with, with bright green or other colors, which means that that they're fresh and they also contain a lot of active phytonutrients. They give them their bright colors and are uh, antioxidant nutrients, so they really help us um, fend off aging and disease. They eat fresh fruit, local fruit, especially berries. Um, they have uh, complex carbohydrates, like from whole grains and sweet potatoes, for example. Many of these cultures uh, eat fish on a regular basis, and we know that fish is an excellent brain food. Um, yes, and they also, of course, they, they don't consume processed
1: foods at all. Mm-hmm. The, the diet it sounds wonderful, and portion size is an issue, especially around meats, and Americans need to hear this because three ounces of salmon for the week is enough, and that's not how we usually eat.
0: No. No, that is true. I think there's, there's a tendency in the United States to really eat a lot of meat as compared to many other countries. And um, very often the quality of the meat is not very high. You know, the animals are, are, are not necessarily very healthy animals. So what I usually recommend is, is to eat uh, meat in moderation. And of course if you're used to eating a lot of meat you don't want to to stop all at once. But I think it's important to to think about portion size and what the right amount of food there would be and really focus on um the healthiest possible meats that you can find. Like for beef there would be grass fat. For chicken there would be organic free range chicken and their products, so milk and eggs. And they're expensive, I realize that. It's just impossible it's just important to be aware that what we're putting inside our bodies that you know it just it doesn't just feed their bodies it feeds their brains as well Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so quality i think is really really important
1: yes and i i I have been down that road for a while now and even though it costs more i'm i'm happier knowing that i'm eating the grass-fed the organic the meats that haven't been loaded with hormones and antibiotics which are bad for us in a number of ways um but I don't want to leave the conversation without talking a little bit about herbs because I'm also a a turmeric fan, and turmeric is... Oh,
0: really? Well, that's good. That's wonderful. Yes, turmeric is a spice uh, that's been used for like 5,000 years in Ayurvedic medicine um, against pain and inflammation, and there's some evidence that um, the active ingredient is called curcumin, helps protect against cognitive loss and dementia. I think we need more clinical trials to really um, understand efficacy and safety and dosage, but it looks promising. There are a lot of companies that are looking into that. Mm -hmm.
1: I I was particularly pleased to see what clarity you have around the distribution of the foods with your food pyramid. Um, It's a guideline for folks to, to realize what's at the top and what's at the bottom of the food pyramid and recommended serving yes and it, go ahead
0: no I, I just wanted to add there's also a little bit of chocolate included in the in the pyramid yes if you notice that um and the reason for that is you know in this kind of diet sometimes feel a little bit um like you feel a little bit deprived if you're used to eating packaged foods and sweets and this and that. So I really wanted to tell the story of how some foods that are uh, treats in some ways can be good for you, like uh, raw cacao and dark chocolate are very rich in a nutrient that is called theobromine. It's from Greek. It means the food of the gods. And uh, theobromine, like caffeine, is a, is a stimulant, so it improves oxygen delivery to the brain, but it doesn't give you the jitters. Mm-hmm. And it's also, um, it's an anti-aging, it's an antioxidant compound, so it could actually be really good for you.
1: Yes, uh, I think we have about two minutes left, so let's, let's talk about antioxidants just a moment, because the brain engages in a, a lot of processes that cause oxidation, and that can be unhealthy.
0: Yes, the brain is easily affected by oxidative stress in uh, free radicals formation. So it's really important that we um, consume antioxidants in our diet to help the brain protect itself against aging and also the risk of dementia. Um, Antioxidant vitamins would be vitamin A, beta-carotene, which is the precursor to vitamin A, and also vitamin C and vitamin E. There are some clinical trials showing that the combination of vitamin C and vitamin E is actually quite helpful to the brain and protective
1: against dementia. And in general, most of the studies have confirmed that it's better to get it from the food sources rather than supplements, but that doesn't deny the need for supplements, right? Yes,
0: yes, you're right. There's... So the thing is that, um, like, for instance, for vitamin E, in nature, vitamin E comes in eight different forms. But when you get your supplements, you only get one of these eight forms. So that's probably why the foods that contain all these different permutations of the same vitamin are better, because every different form has a slightly different functionality and a slightly different action in the body, and you want to have the most
1: nutrients
0: all at once rather than just one at a time.
1: Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, the test that we were talking about before we started the interview, the test that I took in your book was very informative and you put that together based upon what you know about the research that supports uh, brain nutrition in your diet, right? Yes,
0: yes, that is correct. I saw it what I wanted to do in, in the book was really to, I, I structured the, the book into three different parts. The first, I wanted to really explain brain nutrition and how the brain works because that's the only way for us to really understand why a specific diet is good for you and why other diets are not so good for you. And then I provided recommendations and this test. That is, you know, we if we eat poorly or too much it's easy to see that in our waistline but it's very hard to to tell if we if what we're doing is good enough for our brains mm-hmm. and so i wanted to have a tool that would help everybody figure out okay my diet uh is not so good for my brain and this is what i can do to make it better or mm-hmm. my diet is okay in general but it's not perfect so here's how you optimize it
1: And it's a super read, this book. Uh, Dr. Moscone, we thank you for sharing with us today. The book is Brain Food, The Surprising Science of Eating for Cognitive Power by Dr. Lisa Moscone. Uh, It's it's well worth your time. Uh, I remind our listeners, if you don't regularly schedule broadcasts, you can catch us on YouTube at Good Books Radio, Strong & Cook. I'm your host, Dr. John Cook. Thanks for listening.